Chapter 24 The week after Jackie left, I started Vacation Bible School at Rocky Creek Baptist Church. I told Bertha I didn't want to go, but she kept telling me how much I was going to love it. I went to Vacation Bible School every summer when I was a girl, she said. I loved everything about it. The games, the crafts, the songs. She went on to tell me about making a bird feeder by putting peanut butter on a pine cone and rolling it in bird seed. And lanyards? I must have made about a hundred lanyards. She laughed and shook her head. And macrame keychains? I love those. And she said, Howard and all the kids from Sunday school will be there. So I finally said, okay. But then the day before I was supposed to go, Bertha came home with a lunchbox covered with ponies and rainbows. I can't believe I let you take your lunch to school in an ugly old paper bag, she said. I can't take that, I said. Bertha's smile faded. Oh, she said, okay. I could tell I'd hurt her feelings, but there was no way I could take that lunchbox. Bertha snatched it off the kitchen counter and stuck it way up on the top shelf of the cupboard. I don't know what I was thinking, she said. That thing is just plumb silly. So she put my lunch in a brown paper bag and off I went to vacation Bible school. When I sat, when we sat in a circle in the shade and listened to Miss Rhonda tell us how much fun we were going to have, even though we knew each other from Sunday school, she said, first, I'd like for each of y'all to tell us your name and then three fun facts about yourself. Right away, I thought about my first day of school in Colby and that getting to know you paper. But this time when it was my turn, instead of saying I liked soccer, ballet, and fighting, I said, I have a dog named Wishbone. My sister works at the Waffle House. My Aunt Bertha has seven cats. And we spent the morning making paper mache bowls and singing songs about Moses and the bulrushes. When it was time for lunch, I got out my brown paper bag and sat next to Audrey Mitchell. I made my mind up I was going to be more like Jackie from now on, cool and confident, making friends left and right. But before I could think up something to say to Audrey, Howard plopped down next to me. Bro wrote Jackie a letter, he said. What for? He shrugged. Lenny snatched it right out of his hand, and then they got in a fight. Burl chased him around the house, cussing, and broke a lamp. He lifted the corner of his sandwich and examined the bologna and mustard inside. Did Burl get the letter back, I asked. Howard flattened his sandwich between the palms of his hands. Yeah, he said, but it got ripped, and now they're both grounded because of the cussing and the lamp. He pushed at his damp red hair. His arms were sunburnt, bright pink, and dotted with freckles. He went on to tell me about Dwight breaking his pinky finger at baseball camp. While Howard talked, I watched Audrey out of the corner of my eye. She sat cross-legged with a paper napkin on her lap. She had butterfly barrettes in her hair. And her sneakers didn't have one speck of dirt on them. Her lunchbox was plain. No ponies or rainbows on it. She opened it and peered inside. Then she took out a plastic bag full of grapes, something wrapped in foil, and a folded up piece of paper. I scooted a little closer to her and pretended like I was listening to Howard while she opened the paper. It was a note with big, swirly handwriting. When she put it on the grass next to her grapes, I squinted at it, trying to read it. And Cotton has two ticks on him, Howard was saying. So Mama made him strip down naked right there in the yard. A couple of kids giggled, and I shot Howard a look. Nobody wanted to hear the word naked while they ate their lunch. But Howard went right on talking like he didn't even notice. Just then, some girl I didn't know said, Sit here, Audrey, and patted the ground next to her. So Audrey scooped up her grapes and stuff and moved away from me and Howard, leaving that piece of paper behind. Right away, I slapped my foot down on top of it. While Audrey and that girl chatted away about swimming lessons and soccer camp, I snatched up that paper and stuffed it in my pocket. What was that? Howard asked. What was what? That paper. What paper? 
That paper in your pocket. Nothing. Howard wiped in a dab of mustard on his shorts. Okay, he said. All afternoon, while we read Bible stories out loud and watched Miss Rhonda's teenage son do magic tricks, I thought about that note in my pocket. Every once in a while, I reached in and wrapped my fingers around it. Finally, I got my chance. Howard was helping Miss Rhonda take the Bible story books back inside the church, and Audrey was busy being friends with everybody but me. So I took that paper out of my pocket and read it. Have fun at Vacation Bible School. I will be missing you. I love you very much, Mama. Quickly, I folded it and jammed it back in my pocket. I looked over at Audrey linking arms with some girl and whispering. I closed my eyes, and in my mind, I became Audrey. A girl with perfect sneakers and a friend to whisper secrets to and a mama who wrote, I love you very much on a note for me. But then I opened my eyes and I was me again. That night we had corn on the cob for supper. I counted the rows of corn on my cob and I couldn't believe it. Exactly 14. That was on my list of things you can wish on. I counted one more time to make sure and then I closed my eyes and made a wish. Oh, I almost forgot, Bertha said, jumping up from the table. She took something off the counter and handed it to me. A lunchbox, a plain lunchbox with no ponies or rainbows. She lifted her eyebrows and said, what do you think? Better? A wave of guilt swept over me and caught me by surprise. I felt bad that Bertha had spent money to buy another lunchbox for me. I should have just taken the one with rainbows and ponies and been thankful for it. I bet Jackie would have, but I hadn't. And now here was Bertha being so nice to me. Yes, ma'am, I said, thank you. Then we went out on the porch and tossed a tennis ball to Wishbone until he got tired and went to sleep at my feet. As I watched the sun sink slowly behind the mountains, I cut my hand around that note in my pocket. I thought about Audrey's mother putting those grapes in that little bag and writing that note. I wondered what Audrey's family was like. The one she had written on her flower for the Garden of Blessings at church. I knew for sure her daddy wasn't away somewhere getting corrected. And I bet she had a sister who played cards with her on rainy days and whispered secrets under the covers at night. And I was certain her mama had her feet on the ground. When it got dark and the mosquitoes came out, me and Wishbone went back to my room. I fished around in my backpack until I found a piece of paper and a pen. I tore the paper in half and sat on the floor and I wrote, I love you very much, Mama. Then I folded the paper up and tucked it under my pillow before turning out the light and kissing, kissing Wishbone on the top of his head. Chapter 25. The next day at Bible school, we both made bottle cap magnets with the Ten Commandments on them. Then we played some games where we had to wrap ourselves in strips of crepe paper, like Joseph's coat of many colors, and race around an obstacle course. I guess Miss Rhonda didn't remember about Howard and his up-down walk when she thought up that game. He came in last and ripped his coat of many colors, but he didn't seem to care. At lunch, we sat in the shade and took out our lunch boxes. Howard was helping Miss Rhonda gather up all the crepe paper strips, so I plopped myself down next to Audrey. Hey, I said. Hey, Audrey said. Then she scooted closer to a girl named Lainey who had scabs all over her legs. I couldn't believe she'd rather sit close to a scabby-legged girl than me, but I guess she did. I told her I was sorry about kicking and shoving, hadn't I? I didn't know what else I could do to make friends with her. I opened my new lunchbox and took out the things that Bertha had packed for me. A bagel with peanut butter, strawberries in a margarine tub, some cookies that she made that were kind of burnt on the bottom. Then I took out the note I had written the night before, the one that said, I love you very much, Mama. I opened it and held it out in front of me. Then I cleared my throat so maybe Audrey would look my way and see that paper, but she was busy stirring her yogurt. So I tossed that, tossed that paper on the grass almost in front of her. You dropped your trash, she said. 
What? That's your trash, she pointed to the paper. You mean that note? She shrugged. Whatever. It's from my mama, I said, rolling my eyes. She's all the time doing that. I nudged the paper a little closer to her, so maybe she would read it. I thought you lived with your aunt and uncle, she said. Well, not all the time. I mean, most of the time. But my mama comes to visit a lot, and she's always writing these notes. I knew my face was beet red, so I kept my eyes on the ground. Audrey made a face. You're not supposed to lie at vacation Bible school. She said the word Bible, real loud and mean-sounding. Before I knew it, I was standing over her with my fist balled up and my heart beating like crazy. I felt red-hot anger settle over me like a blanket. I wanted to stomp on her perfect sneakers. I wanted to yank those butterfly barrettes out of her hair. But then Howard came up behind me saying, Pineapple, pineapple, pineapple. Audrey grabbed her yogurt and lunchbox and stood up. Y'all are crazy, she said, and stormed off towards the church. What the heck, Howard said. You're going to smack somebody at church? I dropped back down to the grass and began throwing my bagel and stuff into my lunchbox. Howard sat behind me, beside me. Why are you so mad? She said I lied. Did you? No. I snatched that stupid note up and tossed it into the lunchbox. He looked at me over the top of his glasses the way some old grown-up would. Then, no real reason to get mad. He peered into my lunchbox. Are you going to eat that bagel? Took me a while to simmer down, but I finally did. Sure, I still wasn't in the mood to memorize Bible verses. When it was almost time to go home, Miss Rhonda told us to go inside and help set up the chairs for Sunday school. As Howard made his way around the church, T.J. Rainey followed behind him walking in an up-down way like Howard. He looked around to make sure everybody was watching. A big old grin on his face like he was the funniest person in the universe. Suddenly, Howard turned around, but T.J. didn't even stop. He kept walking towards Howard, up, down, up, down, and then I couldn't believe my eyes. Howard just turned his back and went on his way like nothing ever happened. Well, I can tell you for sure there weren't enough pineapples in the world to keep me from running straight at TJ full steam ahead. I lifted my arms in front of me and bam, I shoved him so hard his head snapped back and he crashed face first into the dirt. I confess I was more than a little surprised when he got right back up and shoved me back, knocking me to the ground. I scrambled to my feet and was ready to haul off and bust him one when Miss Rhonda stepped between me and TJ with her fist jammed into her waist and a pure look of horror on her face. Stop it right now, she hollered. This is not a Bible school behavior. So that's how I ended up sitting on a church pew with TJ Rainey listening to Miss Rhonda talk about forgiveness and kindness and goodness and grace and all that stuff. It seemed to me like Audrey Mitchell ought to be sitting here in her perfect sneakers while Miss Rhonda quoted some of the stuff about doing unto others. Every once in a while, TJ shot me a glare, and I shot him one right back. When Bertha came to pick me up, Miss Rhonda had to tell, go and tell her what happened. Bertha nodded and said, oh, dear, and yes, ma'am, and I will. And then we rode home in silence. Mama would have been hollering at me, asking me what in the world was wrong with me, and can't I go one darn day without causing trouble? But not Bertha. She reached over and patted my knee and said, you are a good friend to Howard, Charlie. When we got home, me and Wishbone went out front and sat in the shade of the dogwood tree. The air was still and hot. The red dirt yard dry and dusty. Bertha's nasturiums by the front door spilled over the sides of the flower pots and drooped onto the ground. The sprinklers sputtered in circles out in the garden, leaving glistening drops of water dripping off the okra, settling into little pools inside the yellow flowers of the cucumber plants. When I'd first gotten to Colby, most of that garden had been planted just in rows of tiny green plants poking out of the ground. But now, 
Plump red tomatoes grew flat, fatter every day. Yellow flowers turned into bright green zucchini, and pole beans hung in clusters from vines that snaked up a twine to form leafy teepees. A blue jay landed in the yard near us, and wishbone ears perked up. He cocked his head and watched that bird hop in and out of the marigolds along the fence. I put my arm around him and rubbed his long, velvety ears between my fingers. He licked my face, his tail swishing back and forth on the dusty ground. I swear that dog loves you to pieces, Bertha kept telling me. And I do, do believe it was true. He'd gotten to where he wouldn't let me out of his sight, following me around from room to room, laying by my chair at the kitchen table, sleeping with his head on my feet on the porch. I didn't even need to keep him on a leash out in the yard anymore. He stayed right by my side everywhere I went. He might trot over to sniff a shrub or snap at the bumblebees on the clover by the porch, but he always glanced back to make sure I was still there. And every time he did that, I loved him more. After a while, Bertha came outside and brought us all saltine crackers with peanut butter. She let Wishbone eat one right off her hand and didn't even care when he slobbered on her. Then, out of the clear blue, she said, Charlie, I really admire you for sticking up for Howard like you did today. Admired me? Well, that was a first. I was pretty sure nobody on earth had ever admired me before. You do, I said. She nodded. I do. And so we sat there in the shade of the dogwood while the sun beat down on the dirt yard. Bertha told me a story about when she and Mama were little girls and went to a lake one summer. Carla had never been in water deeper than a bathtub in her life, Bertha said. So when she fell off the dock into that murky water, everybody went crazy. But I swear, she popped right back up like a cork without so much as a sputter. Then she just floated on her back, staring up at the sky while everybody ran up and down the dock, hollering and carrying on. And my Uncle Jared pumped, jumped in after her and ruined his brand new wish, wristwatch. Bertha chuckled and swatted at gnats that were hovering over Wishbone as he slept. That girl was a walking wonder sometimes, she said. Of course, I couldn't help but ask myself how a woman who can't get out of bed and get her feet on the ground could be a walking wonder, but I was still bas basking in the glow of being admired. So for once, I kept quiet and didn't mess things up. And one time, Bertha went on, she snipped all the buttons off my blouses. She cut the air with her fingers like scissors. Snip, 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 right off onto the floor. Why'd she do that? Pizza the heck out of me, she said. She did the craziest things you ever saw. She reached over and suddenly grabbed my knee. Well, not crazy, crazy, but just, you know, well, kind of odd. She let go of my knee and went back to swatting gnats away from Wishbone. About the only thing I remember our poor mama ever saying was, Carla, stop that. I nodded. I had a per perfect picture in my mind of little Carla snipping those buttons. Snip, snip, snip. Before long, Gus's car came bouncing and squeaking up the gravel driveway. Hey, Butterbean, he called out the window. Then he got out, kissed Bertha on the cheek, patted Wishbone on the head, and told me I was a ray of sunshine at the end of a long, sorry day. That night in bed, I lay on top of the cool sheets with Wishbone's soft, warm body next to me. I thought about my broken family back in Raleigh and wondered if they ever were thinking about me, a ray of sunshine at the end of a long, sorry day. Chapter 26. What's that? Audrey Mitchell pointed to my hand as we played Bible Bingo in the Fellowship Hall. It had been raining all morning, so we hadn't been able to go outside and have a balloon race like Miss Rhonda had planned for us to do. I looked down at the drawing I had done on the back of my hand with a pen. A blackbird in a cage, I said, flipping my hair in the way Jackie flips hers. Audrey screwed her face up like she'd just seen a dead possum squashed flat in the middle of the road. Check it out, I said, thrusting my hand toward her face and winking. 
I've been trying to do all the things Jackie does, flipping my hair and winking, acting cool and confident, but so far it didn't seem to be working. Most of those kids at Bible school still treated me like I had cooties. What's it for? Audrey asked. And then the darndest thing happened. I guess being a ray of sunshine had given me some real confidence, not pretend confidence, because I looked her square in the eye and said, it's the same tattoo as my daddy has on his hand. The minute those confident words came out, old Mr. Doubt tapped me on the shoulder and said, now look what you've done. She's going to ask you where your daddy is, and then what are you going to say? But miracle of miracles, Audrey did not ask me where my daddy said was. She just said, oh, and studied her Bible bingo card. So I pushed Mr. Dowd aside and said, his name is Scrappy, and he's getting corrected. Audrey put another token on her bingo card. What does that mean, she asked. Means he's getting corrected, I said. He'll be home any day now. So then, are you going back to rally, she said. At that, Howard's head shot up from studying his bingo card, and he stared at me. Um, yeah, I said, sure. When, Howard said. I shrugged. I don't know. However long it takes for Scrappy to get corrected, I guess. Suddenly, my confidence began to spin out of control. Faster and faster until it rose up right up through the ceiling and out of the roof of Rocky Creek Baptist Church, disappearing into the sky and leaving me there in the fellowship hall with a stomachache. I licked my thumb and wiped at that blackbird tattoo, leaving a smudgy black spot on my hand. Suddenly, somebody yelled bingo, and Miss Rhonda clapped her hands and pointed to the table full of prizes, coloring books and glittery pens and erasers shaped like Noah's Ark. Clear your cards, Miss Rhonda said. Let's start a new game. Later that day, me and Howard sat on the Odom's front porch steps watching Wishbone and Cotton play in the sprinkler. Cotton jumped over puddles of muddy water while Wishbone scampered along behind him, ears flopping and tail wagging. I've been wondering about something, Howard said, scratching at mosquito bites on his freckled leg. How come you shoved TJ at Bible school yesterday? What do you mean, I asked. I mean, why did you shove him? He was making fun of you, Howard. I know. I stared at him. His eyebrows were squeezed together over his glasses, and he looked so serious. For a minute, I almost laughed. But then he said, he was making fun of me, not you. Then you're the one who should have shoved him, I said. Nah. Why not, I said. Why do you let kids make fun of you, and you don't do one darn thing about it? Because I'd be shoving somebody every day of my life. So? So what good is that? We sat in silence for a few minutes. Cotton was stomping in the mud and Wishbone was snapping at the water swirling out of the sprinkler. But why'd you shove TJ, Howard asked. Because he was being mean to you. I wiped muddy water off my legs. Duh, I added. Why do you care about that? Because you're my friend, I said. I don't like kids to be mean to my friends, okay? I'm your friend. Sure you are, I said. Duh, I added again. I am. Well, yeah. Then my wish came true. It did? Yeah. Howard blushed a little, his white freckly face turning pale pink. Well, part of it anyway. I wished for two things. Since one of them has come true, I can tell it to you. I wish that we'd be friends. Well, dang. I never would have guessed that. You think that a redheaded boy with glasses who was named Howard and had an up-down walk would have a lot more to wish for than being friends with me. But I admit, I felt a smile on my face and hope in my heart. Because maybe wishes really do come true. Maybe some wishes just take longer than others. Chapter 27. 
The next day after Bible school, Wishbone and I were sitting out front while Gus worked in the garden. Tiny wrens and sparrows hopped around the yard and fluttered up to the bird feeder on the fence post. After a while, Bertha came out with a couple of cats trailing along behind her. She smelled like lavender, and I couldn't help but notice how much she looked like Mama, with her hair curling around her face and her eyes crinkled up at the edges. I figured she was going to tell me a story about some lady in her knitting group or something, but she said, I found that note. My stomach squeezed up, and I felt kind of scared for a minute. Um, that note in your lunchbox, she said? Well, what in the world could I say now? I felt like a big dumb baby for writing that note. I wanted Bertha to go away. I did not want to talk about that note. But Bertha did not go away. She sat petting the cat, purring in her lap, and gazing out at Gus, weeding in the garden. And then she said, You know, Charlie, me and Gus always wanted children. She rubbed Wishbone's belly with her bare foot. We have had many blessings in our life together, but having children has not been one of them. So, um, I watched her foot rubbing Wishbone and waited. Well, she said, I guess I'm not just, just not too good at doing things that mothers do. My heart sank and I scrambled to think of something to say, but I couldn't. When I saw that note, I wanted to kick myself, she went on. How come I didn't think how much a little girl would love a note like that in her lunchbox? I wished like anything I had thought to do that, but I just didn't. Just like I didn't think how silly that rainbow lunchbox was. And then there was her hand on my knee. It was dark and tan from hours in the sun, fingernails rough and dirty from pulling weeds in the garden. So I hope you'll be patient with me while I learn, I said. I hung my head and nodded. I should have said something nice to her. I should have said, oh, don't even worry about it. That rainbow lunchbox was no big deal. I should have said, I don't even care about that dumb note. But the truth was, all I could do was sit there feeling her warm hand and breathing her lavender smell. Let's go help Gus, she said. So the three of us pulled weeds and picked beans and pinched dead flowers off the marigolds. Wishbone sat outside the gate and whined to get in, but he wasn't allowed in because of his digging. When we were done, we climbed into Gus's car and picked up Howard before heading down the mountain to get ice cream. Wishbone stuck his head out the window, his ears flapping like crazy in the wind, while me and Howard sang Bible school songs. Every once in a while, we passed a clearing with a view of the mountains stretched out as far as you could see. A smoky blue haze floated over the treetops. It reminded me of my first day in Colby when Gus told me why these are called the Blue Ridge Mountains. Sometimes it felt like just yesterday that I had sat on the school bus with all those kids I didn't know riding through this town and thinking every laundromat and trailer park and shabby little house along the way was the sorriest thing I had ever seen. But now here I was singing Bible school songs with my friend Howard and my arms wrapped around my very own dog. And when I looked out the now familiar sights of Colby, I realized they didn't seem to look quite so sorry anymore. Bertha chattered away in the front seat the whole way to town while Gus nodded silently. We got ice cream at the dairy freeze and sat at a picnic table trying to eat it quick before the summer heat made it run down our cones and drip into our laps. Bertha scooped up a little bit into a paper cup for Wishbone and Howard let him have the last bite of his cone. On the way home, me and Howard taught Gus and Bertha some of our Bible school songs and then the best thing happened. I saw a yellow railroad car that was on my list of things to wish on thanks to Fulcher Banner, a crazy old man who lived next door to us in Raleigh. Yellow railroad cards aren't too plentiful, he told me. When you see one, make a wish. For a minute, I thought I might not even bother making my wish. Maybe I was just wasting my time. 
but then something inside me told me not to give up and to keep on trying. I mean, you never know, right? So I looked back at that yellow railroad car as we passed it, and I made my wish.